I mean, what's pro football focus doing? Last week they had Brady. This week they got Brady. We're doing it. We're literally doing it differently from everybody else. As a matter of fact, moving forward from this point on, I will not make reference to PFL. Ready to get into it? Yeah, yeah. All right. We're going team by team. I would be very careful about sling and stuff. Am I going to get sued? Is that legal on this? I like football. I like football season and all the things that go with it. Welcome in to the PFF NFL podcast, Steve Palazzolo, and thankfully, Sam Monson here together. I'm here. I an eventful, an eventful morning here, Mountain Time on Media Row. It was tenuous for a bit. We thought I might be doing the show solo, maybe not for today, maybe forever. We thought Sam was going to the Slammer. Yeah, but um. Had a police escort for a while. Yeah. It was getting intense over there. What happened, man? I uh, went to the bathroom to change a shirt and somehow lost a credential, which turns out is quite a big deal here. That's a big no-no. <laughs> yeah. I innocently went to security like, hey, my guy lost you know, a credential. Can we, can we get him a new one? Help him find it? He's like, um, we might have to get the FBI involved. Yeah, all of us are thinking this is just a case of we'll just cancel a credential on the computer, we'll draw you up a new one, you have to get a new one. It's a bit of a pain, but, you know, you're good. No, apparently, I think the FBI, Homeland Security was definitely one of them. Several agencies were going to need to be notified if this was legitimately lost, and I had to have a, a police escort around the place for is that just because you're irish or is that just standard protocol i think that's like how seriously the nfl appears to take security for this kind of thing yeah we don't want anybody taking your uh your credential and acting like you're sam no but i got it back see so. I'm, I'm allowed to be here so anyway i do want to get into what the rest of the show is going to be but i i, I want to also understand you know how you broke free from the cops here that was great I'm proud of you um on this show we got a great one uh, Bussin' with the boys, they're here. An up-and-coming podcast, mm. I hear. And the source of all of the PFF conspiracy theories. There's a lot of conspiracy theories. We, we decided we were going to get to the bottom of the conspiracy theories. And, um, you know, Taylor Lewan, he's a big man. Yeah. But uh, not bigger than me. No. So he was intimidated by me. That's right. And uh, we're getting some answers. So we did record this yesterday, but we got some answers to the PFF conspiracy theories and called them out on their misinformation. We did. Because that's what it is. It is. It's a campaign, a misinformation campaign from Bussin' with the Boys. And we called them on it, and you guys get to see that later. Campaign of lies. It is. House of lies. Yeah. Yeah. It was a great discussion, though. We had a good time there. And we'll get into some of the uh, Patriots' dysfunction from this past offseason. It felt bad, right? We talked a lot about, hey, why was Matt Patricia calling plays? And... Uh, Phil Perry from NBC Sports Boston, he'll be with us to discuss just how bad it was and how they pretty much knew from day one, right? Like, you know, sometimes you're like, you're on the outside and it seems a certain way. Yep. And on the inside, it is exactly how it seems. <laughs> we'll just kind of confirm that. Absolutely. Um, let me show you a t-shirt first, though. Okay, this so is why explain I how this got happened. arrested. I took this t-shirt off in the bathroom, and in order to do that, I needed to take my credential off and then somehow lost it. This is a t-shirt given to me by uh, somebody, well, a group called The Terrace Apparel. So The Terrace Apparel. These things are uh, little embroidered images of like various football plays. So we got Josh Allen here, your favorite player, Steve. Number 17 in your That's hearts. 
Um, jumping over Justin Reed, like fully embroidered on, a little patch there. We are running a little promotion for our uh, PFF listeners. If you go to the Terrace Apparel, either on social media or on uh, the website, PFF15 will get you 15% off. But also, if you email us in, the guy is looking for design suggestions. So if you've got like a key play, you know, that an NFL player made, like say Josh Allen jumping over Justin Reed, like whatever your favorite play is, if you send that into us to, uh, to email or on social media, tag uh, the PFF NFL podcast, tag the, par- the, the Terrace Apparel, whoever comes up with the best one, they'll get their T-shirt made into a uh, design and get a free one. You might want to wait until after Sunday. There might be a great play that could happens be. Sunday that you could turn into a shirt on Monday. Well, like remember, for example, the, uh, the last, the, the Mahomes Super Bowl against Tampa Bay where he made that ridiculous throw from horizontal you know, in the air, yes. diving, that they, would make a great T-shirt. Had it been completed, that would have been a great T-shirt. I Forget think. had it been. It was a great T-shirt anyway. You just don't tell people that it wasn't complete. It so was a great There's a T-shirt. Image. little cool design. Love it. VTerraceApparel.com, I think. So that was also the culprit for your uh, that FBI was, search. That was search, the root uh, of the problem, yes. Search warrant. You lost your credential. A little bit, yeah. So somebody found it. And um, we did not have to contact the serious authorities. We're, we're, we're good. Hopefully. You're not getting deported? I am into this country legally. I am, in fact, an alien of extraordinary ability, according to my visa. <laughs> Green card, in fact. As the chat says, that's next-level marketing, right? Just to, you know, for promotion. I mean, that's Lose like, the credential for promotion. We've all got to do what we've got to do. So, anyway, great show. Can't wait to hear from uh, Bustin' with the Boys, Phil Perry. We got uh, a mailbag question, too, to, to kick things off. Yes, mailbag question. Uh, this one came in from James from Houston, a Bengals fan, though. So, you know, don't get it twisted, he says. Anyway, hey, guys, if you're the Texans GM, would you execute a trade for Lamar Jackson? Pay him what he's asking and build around him with the draft capital you possess. It seems as if the Ravens and Lamar are headed towards a divorce. Ultimately, it seems as if Lamar wants top dollar and the Ravens aren't going to pay. And he also says, whoever the Texans draft, it's a poor situation for a rookie to walk into. Couldn't you argue that a 26-year-old Lamar Jackson, even at top dollar, might be better to build around um, if you retain the majority of your draft capital in whatever trade you make with the Ravens? Does this have to be specific to the Texans? I mean, I would... I would trade for Lamar Jackson. Yeah. I would take Lamar Jackson as my quarterback. Like as a universal concept? I think for most teams, yeah, I would. Well, they can't I would say most take, teams. Most teams have a quarterback. How many teams that need a quarterback would you. All teams throw outside into of the six or seven that are, you know, somewhat set. I would say, yeah, you trade. So if, the, if I'm the Texans, yeah, I would absolutely trade for Lamar. So you're saying instead of talking, you know, Tennessee that, uh, or Aaron Rodgers to Tennessee, Aaron Rodgers to. New York, Aaron Rodgers, wherever, we should be talking Lamar Jackson to the Jets, Lamar Jackson to the Titans. Uh, well, no, because I don't think the Ravens are actually going to trade him. Those are two different questions. Well, okay, so let's focus on the Texans bit because they're the team picking at the top of the draft almost. All right, let me rethink this a little bit here. Maybe not, if I'm the Texans. <laughs> okay. I mean, Lamar's right in that world of we talk about the top eight cutoff, right? He is. I think he's a force multiplier for the offense. I think there's definitely some questions about his durability after being injured twice the last couple of years. Sure. But he's certainly one of those quarterbacks that you're willing to pay. But when we talk about paying quarterbacks, there's like the six to eight that you say, absolutely, we'll pay those guys. And then we say the second best option is to draft somebody. 
and have them on their rookie contract and then go from there. So the Texans are obviously in prime position to get the rookie contract quarterback. For us, it would be Bryce Young if he's available there at two. Right. And I guess the other thing that's sticking in, in my mind here is the Texans could still be bad next year. And they could also have that decision to draft a guy this year and also maybe draft Drake May or Caleb Williams next year and maybe getting one of those guys, one of those th- two of those three on a rookie contract, which teams never do, but getting two of those three on a rookie deal is a better long-term option for the Texans than maybe Lamar Jackson. I mean, I think the crux of this is some people seem to have this opinion or belief of if you're a team that's down and out and struggling and doesn't have much, the roster's bad, you don't have a quarterback, you end up picking number one, number two overall, um, you're in prime position to go get yourself the quarterback to start everything. But I think there are people that, that think you should never throw a rookie quarterback into that situation. Like, it's a terrible team, top to bottom. Everything needs fixing. It's just it's not fair on that quarterback, and it probably doesn't help the team to get even a great quarterback and expect him to drag what is a bad situation in a positive direction. So are you better saying, let's take whatever capital it takes and put a Lamar Jackson in this team because he is so good right now that we can't be that bad? And then we take whatever's left over and try and build around him as quick as possible. So the, so the question's really, is Lamar the best option for a full rebuild yeah. at the moment here? Because, a, because Lamar immediately elevates a baseline to the rest of the roster that a rookie doesn't necessarily do, and you don't necessarily run the risk of ruining Lamar Jackson the way you run the risk of ruining a number two overall pick. No, nah, I'd still try to ruin the number of two overall pick. You'd still try That's to ruin where I'd go. And I know, like, I know I mentioned Jimmy Garoppolo for the Texans, but that was more like I wonder if they would go that route. I don't know that I, I wouldn't. Um, but I brought that up just because maybe there's familiarity there. and that, So that was, that was like a big hedge. Lamar is like going all in on a guy and saying that's our guy. I'd say no. I'm going to say no. Do not trade for Lamar Jackson if you're the Texans. Take your shot on a Bryce Young. And then if you do get the opportunity to have – one of the top guys next year, maybe take them as well. Again, teams don't do that, but they should. So you opinion. wanted to throw other teams into this mix then. Who should trade for Lamar Jackson? I mean, all of the other teams, you know, Washington that needs a quarterback, all the other teams that need a quarterback that have probably a better foundation than Houston, the teams that have been in QB purgatory, right? I mean, if you've been in QB purgatory, the Colts, the Commanders, now the Raiders, the teams that are in the middle tier of quarterbacks that are moving on from their current situation, the Jets, they should all be in the Lamar Jackson sweepstakes. The problem's going to be massive price tag and you know picks, and then you're going to have to pay him, yeah. much like an Aaron Rodgers. And I also don't think he's available, right? I don't think the Ravens are going to let him walk. So if you think that if it's true that Lamar and the Ravens are as far apart on the contract as they seem to be or that they're being talked about as being, how do you think that that ends up playing its way out? I think they'll figure it out. I really do. You think they'll sign? They'll end up signing a long-term deal? Yeah, but I'm like, I'm a big softy, right? I mean, if you go back through my takes over the last three years, I, w- I was always like, well, Russ and Seattle will figure it out, and Aaron Rodgers and Green Bay will. F-. I was always like, Brady and the Patriots will figure it out. I just feel like everybody's just gonna make amends uh, and be fine. And that, and I'm like 50-50 on it. Yeah. So far, Rodgers has made amends with the Packers, but he's probably out. Because it feels like, <coughs> excuse me, it feels like if they uh, if they are that far apart, I don't know if you're reconciling that because Lamar seems to want you know the giant guaranteed contract, all the money, et cetera, and the Ravens presumably want some kind of 
protections well, built into any deal that they do get signed, right? Because so of those injuries. We just did um, we just did Dallas radio with our friend Bob Sturm yesterday, and they're always asking about Dak and you know his forty million, and Dak having what a four year contract and now with three years remaining, at forty million per, is so different than Patrick Mahomes or Josh Allen having the ten year half a billion dollar deal, because of the cap flexibility that that gives your team, right? So when we're always like ranking what's the best situation, it's have the elite quarterback at any price, who cares? But at, you know, say elite quarterback on the 10-year deal, right? Then it's first-year contract quarterback, and then it's like the next tier of top eight quarterback paying him, the Dax, whatever it might be. But should we be splitting up the Mahomes-Allen deal and actually the three-year Cousins-Dak type of deal is you never want that. And is that what the Ravens are pushing back against? Right, it's like Lamar. You want to get paid. You want to get your forty-five million a year. You want it somewhat guaranteed. You want to be in Deshaun Watson type of territory. You want to be in three to five-year range, so you can hit free agency again. Should teams never want that because you lose the flexibility and you lose kind of the advantage of having the good quarterback because you can't do enough other things on the roster, like the Chiefs and the Bills are going to be able to do with Mahomes and Allen and their flexibility. I just so think- never have that shortish term contract. I just think the Ravens don't want long-term guaranteed money. Tie, uh, committed to a guy who's had multiple injuries in the last couple of years and does play the position this unique way, I think that's a risk that they are not completely willing to embrace, uh, particularly with the new offense going forward. Like This is not going to be the Greg Roman, Lamar Jackson thing. It's going to be different. So to me, it's like, well, if you're not going to do that, your solutions are trade him or franchise tag him either once or twice and then move on. Um, and I kind of feel like the franchise tag makes sense there. I mean, from a team standpoint, how upset is Lamar if if, if that happens? He might not even show up. I don't up. think quarterbacks are ever that upset by being franchised. Like, I know they always act like they are. I'm sure they'd want the five-year guaranteed money. But, like, a guarant- like the franchise tag for a quarterback, is, it's a pretty healthy payday for 12 months. I mean, when you look at Kirk Cousins' career now, back-to-back franchise tags – been a really nice contract with the Vikings. When you add that all up, he basically got what he he got top five money. He got more than that. Yeah. Kirk Cousins is one of the like contract Hall of Fame guys, where it's like his career has worked out as well as it could have possibly worked out, in part because of the franchise tag. So as much as quarterbacks are always gonna you know piss and moan about the franchise tag, etc., like you're gonna get forty plus million dollars for one year, and then if they do it again, you're gonna get more than that. Like you're gonna get a hundred million dollars for two seasons worth of work if they choose to go that route. That's not bad. If the Ravens don't, I'm fascinated by the Ravens because would they be the team that does what we said? I just always stick with the first contract quarterback. Would they trade Lamar Jackson? What if they traded him and got Justin Fields last couple years of his rookie contract and drafted a guy, you know, with one of the top picks? And then the Bears have Lamar. They pay him with all that money and get their rebuild going. And they draft a quarterback at number one. So either number one pick is involved in the trade or it's just Fields and other picks and the Bears still have number one. Wow. And then they flip that for a million picks. You should start pitching that around Radio Row. It's a good rumor to start. That it's, that it's, would you, let's start a rumor. Do you want to start a rumor and see if it can catch on? Okay. Give us a rumor in the chat and we'll try to get it to catch on here. All so right. let us know in the chat a rumor that we should start here on Media Row 
and we will see if we can get it to be mainstream. Ryan Leaf's right there. We can tell him right now. We'll tell. We can tell Ryan Leaf. We mean is running around here. Yep. We'll get it. We'll get Orlovsky pushing it. Dano. Yeah. Dano. We'll get. We'll get people talking about it. Pete Prisco. He would definitely push it for us. Yeah. So um, give us a good rumor, and we'll push it here from the PFF NFL podcast right here, live on Media Row. The PFF NFL podcast is sponsored by our friends over at Western and Southern Financial Group. We're uh, Western and Southern Mobile this week, as our friends have told us. While you focus on your roster moves, Western and Southern helps advance your money moves. Buying your first home, planning to start a family, wondering how to make your money grow? Well, Western and Southern's playbook of life insurance, investment, and retirement solutions. We've got a helps great you rest question. assured on game day. A great question in the chat. Are you ready? Can we team up to understand needs and address goals with the game plan built just for you first? Sure. You got to go to westernsouthern.com slash PFF. I know you just got out of the slammer, mm -hmm. but could you remember not to interrupt our uh, sponsor reads here? It's a lot going on today. It's a lot going on. I'm excited by this question, though, because we get to test out if you've learned anything from me trying to impart wisdom on you. So, uh, Extherion in the, in the chat says, why is the tackling technique in football so different from rugby when the objective is the same? Is it due to trying to dislodge the ball with the helmet? Steve, thoughts? Because you're taught to tackle with your head different. Like you're taught to go head up in football. Why though? Because they, they think you have a helmet and it's a good thing to do, but you can't do that in rugby. Yeah, but that's not why. I forget it's why. It's not the fundamental reason. It's not why. So you're right. They do teach head position to be different. In fact, they teach you to be in the opposite side. So oh, the opposite side, I forget right. forget who was the... Who was it that got clocked in the head recently from putting his head on the wrong side and taking a knee to the helmet during the course of the tackle in one of the championship games? But that's like textbook wrong tackling technique in rugby. The head should be on the other side specifically to stop that happening so you don't get a knee or a hip to the head in the course of tackling. I think the fundamental reason for it, though, is because football yardage is everything. So you need to make a hit ah, that's right. that stops them dead and prevents any forward mo momentum. You need to win the collision. Rugby, winning the collision, territory, yardage is important, but it's not the be-all and end-all. Like, if you get that extra yardage, it's not the difference between a first down or not. They're getting the ball back, whatever, right? Ah, so right. You, you can give up that extra yard in the course of making sure you don't get your head kicked off in the course of a tackle. So rugby teaches this technique of preserving your head in order to be able to get up and tackle again the nfl is like no you got to stop this guy dead in his tracks and if that scrambles your brain in the process so be it you so got a helmet you, deal with it so how much rugby tackling would you incorporate knowing you don't want to give up three four five yards on most plays at this point i think you can i think you can embrace it pretty hard i mean the seahawks do it i think there are ways to tackle rugby style that protect the head in a would way would you pull that, it out on like third and 15 on like a five yard pass just I mean, I because think, yard like would you pick it pick spots where yards don't matter i think the default position should always be rugby tackling i think there are certain circumstances where you can approach it slightly differently and rugby has this as well like they have something called a choke tackle of course which is a much more upright tackle that involves basically stalling the guy's momentum and wrapping them up and they lose the ball that way so there are like there are different circumstances where you would tackle in a slightly different technique but the default position should be rugby style all right go find one more good question out of the chat before we throw it to uh to phil and our friends uh new friends of the show 
busting with the boys. Are you ready for the biggest Sunday in sports? DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of Super Bowl 57, has all the Super Bowl action you need. New customers can bet just $5 and get 200 in bonus bets instantly. Plus, all customers can get in on the Super Bowl 57 excitement with DraftKings Happy Hour Super Boosts. Check the DraftKings Sportsbook app every day between 6 p.m. and 9 p.m. Eastern to see what prop bets will be boosted. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code PFF. New customers can bet $5 on Super Bowl 57 and get 200 in bonus bets instantly. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with the code PFF. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. Void in Ohio. See show notes for details. Our friends uh, at DraftKings are right behind us here. Yeah. We got a uh, couple, of, couple of questions to get to. Number one, Drew Forsyth in the chat. If you're the Bears and you trade off number one, how far are you willing to move down? I'm more about accumulating picks than the, the move down. I want more picks. Yeah, well, I mean, you always want more picks. I mean, right? I'd but rather be, like, I'd like to stay in the top 10. I would But I don't wanna, care that much. I wouldn't want to move past four. Really? Because I think if you move past four, you're not getting Will Anderson or Jalen Carter. And I think you want to come out of the draft with one of those guys if you're Chicago with the haul that you get for trading away. Yeah, there's definitely something to, I don't know the exact blue chip count in this draft. Right. We had that you know, a couple years ago where we're like, hey, there's seven blue chip players, don't go below yeah. seven. Every year that's probably a little bit different. And that's one of those Browns tenets, right? Never it pass is. up on a blue. And I think by doing, by trading beyond the number of blues that there are, you're essentially passing up on a blue, right? So to me, if you're Chicago and you're like, we have our quarterback, we are trading out of number one because somebody's gonna give us a pick, but we want one of those two defensive line superstar blue chip players. And that would be a huge win, right? Because every mock draft that isn't willing to go the trade route it's right now yeah, is like, one. oh, take Jalen Carter or take Will Anderson. It's like, well, yes, if you if you pick up two more players plus, you know, have one of those two players, then yeah, that's a that's a pretty good win. But that's just without them without them getting Lamar Jackson. Yes. I mean obviously in that yeah, hypothetical you're right situation. that like there's always a price, right? Like somebody could come in with the most absurd trade-off you've ever seen, and it's worth it to trade 12 yeah. or whatever. Like, you can you can I'll, always go as far as it takes. But if I'm the Bears, my two criteria for trading out of that number one pick would be, number one, whatever offer you send me needs to include a number one pick next year. Number two, I don't want to move beyond number four. So I would say at least probably 10, right? Remember last year when the Vikings traded down from 12 all the way to 30? That is, that is kind of like where the, the analytics say there's not a – that's where the difference really compresses between pick 10-ish and 30. It's not as drastic as it might seem. So certainly 10 is like my floor, but I like what you're saying, four or five maybe is that range where you're probably going to get one of those elites. Um, and then somebody named jbx 3 one in the chat uh, wants to know who's going to win the Super Bowl next year. Um, whoever wins this year. Huh. Okay. Because that's how it goes, right? Well, the Chiefs win this year, so next year it's going to be the Chiefs. Of course they're going to repeat. How could I picture anything else? Even after last year, though, weren't the Bills the favorite immediately? No, they were. Nobody thought the Rams could repeat. Uh, I'll say the Bills next year. <laughs> Bills next year. Okay. I might go Bills every year until it actually happens. Yeah. Well, I was down on the Bengals this year, so I'm going to go with the Bengals this next year. I'm going to go the opposite. Reverse it. Flip we should have people in the chat try to identify the people behind us. And how many people can you identify that walk behind us? How many people do you recognize from me? Yeah, how row? many people do you recognize in the background? Here? See if, yeah, come on, Gordon. Oh, I just gave it away. 
Just yeah, gave it away. It's a good one. Well done. It starts to get busy here. So today's Wednesday. It's By up. Friday, we might, like, our table's going to be, like, not only will the police be all over it, right, yep. again, yep. for the third time this week, but we're going to be, like, you know. That's true. Claustrophobic here. You're all, here. like, you're all... You know, ripping me for almost getting arrested and sent to Homeland Security, but you guys had the cops sniffing around the table before what I was in here. Guys, Tyler, Tyler did, Tyler did. Cops it were was here. Tyler's bag. They were digging into your equipment on Monday night. Had nothing to do with me. Phil Perry will be on. He was the eyewitness. He'll be on soon. The eyewitness to uh, Monday night when they were sniffing around. Right. So let's just remember here that I was not the first person that brought the cops sniffing around this table. Well, Sam, the easiest way to get in on the action for the big game is underdog fantasy in their pick'em game. Is that true? <laughs> Just pick higher or lower on your favorite Chiefs or Eagles stats for the big game. And if you get all your picks right, you can win up to 20 times your money in a single night. Underdog keeps it super simple with their easy-to-use website and app, and they're making it even easier with a special pick for the big game starting on Thursday, February 9th at 10 a.m. Eastern. That's tomorrow. It's only Wednesday? All right, yeah, yeah it's tomorrow. You'll be able to make a special pick on Jalen Hurts higher or lower than .5 total yards that's 0 0.5 yards you literally needs one yard in the game in order to go higher so pair this with at least one other correct pick a max $20 entry and you could be taking home some cold hard cash it's all under it's all over at underdogfantasy.com or you can find them in the app store don't forget to register with promo code PFF to get your first deposit doubled up to $100 you must be 18 plus and present in a state where underdog fantasy operates terms apply concerned with your play call 1-800-522-4700 or visit www.ncpgambling.org. Nailed it. Nice. Well done. So go check that out tomorrow, 10 a.m. Eastern. Jalen Hurts going higher. All right. Anything else we want to touch on today before we throw? Are we going to Phil first? Is that the best way to do it? Is that what you're prepared for? So oh, if I look, said don't. The doctor's back. You can do either. Where should we go first? Look at that man. He's just. Do we want to bring in? There. The people want. To we got to save that for the end. We got to save, save that for the end. Okay. Save our so fact-finding mission. Um, and then we're not going to come back. No, we're just we're leave. just going to sign off right now, right? And throw it to Phil. We're going to go eat. Let's go eat lunch. Oh, oh yeah, we grab lunch. This is great. We're going to go eat lunch. Oh, you do. I'll go wait for you. Well, we talked to Phil about the Patriots and their dysfunction, and then can't wait to hear all of the PFF misinformation campaign that we debunk. Right, all the conspiracy theories fully debunked at the end of the show with Bussin' with the Boys. So let's get to Phil first, and then we'll get to Bussin' with the Boys, Taylor Lewan, and Will Compton. All right, we are joined by Phil Perry, Patriots insider, NBC Sports Boston. Phil, great friend of the show here. And uh, full disclosure, Sam's not here because he might be getting arrested. I don't know what's happening, but there's a developing situation on the floor here at Media Row. We just had a, a member of law enforcement come over and threaten to flip the table He over. said we're going to flip the table. I, I got very anxious for you. Right. This isn't even my table. Nervous. But there's it, a lot of expensive equipment here, and it felt like things were about to be smashed on account of essentially Sam. I don't know why. I don't know what the details are. We don't know exactly what's happening. But full disclosure, too, this is the second time there's been police activity at our table here on Media Row. <laughs> yes. Yes. Which is crazy. Late night, Monday night, I caught... Some law enforcement officials here snooping around your it's, your baggage. It's and so I said, "Hey, do, do you need to know a phone number?" I don't I, I know got what's happening. My guy Steve, you could maybe talk to him before you confiscate anything. If you're a lawyer, please uh, drop in the chat some sort of contact info. Isn't the boss a lawyer? Yeah, we can Big get boss. Chris and Holly. Yeah. yeah, yeah, we can get Chris yeah. and Holly on the case here. Chris will be in in a couple days to bail us out, so that'll be great. 
You anyway. guys are having an exciting week, <laughs> let me very, tell you. Much exciting more exciting year. than we are. No, it was an exciting season, though, in New England. Was Great it? transition. Yes, it was. It was. Even though they weren't very good, it was an exciting, interesting season in Foxborough. So how crazy was it, right? Because we've, we've talked a little bit on the show a little bit. It, it's, it felt weird with Matt Patricia being the offensive coordinator, and there were no titles, and there were all these, whatever it was. What was really happening there? Well, it felt weird because it was weird, yeah. right? And so as soon as it became clear that that was the decision that Bill Belichick had made to hand the offense over to Matt Patricia and for Joe Judge to have a significant role, obviously we in the media looked at that and said this seems crazy, right? right? But I remember being at the Combine when that stuff first started coming to light and asking people all over the league and pretty high-level people, general managers, high-level offensive coaches, offensive coordinators, what do you think about that? Could this actually work? And to a man, not a single person thought that it would work. And one GM tell me right before the season began in late August, it's not going to work. People yeah. train their entire lives to be offensive coordinators. Matt's a smart guy. I'm sure Bill believes and trusts Matt implicitly, but this can't work. And it didn't. And I think the, the buy-in that they didn't get, Steve, early in the season – because of those guys' backgrounds, almost doomed it before it began, right? Like, the X's and O's probably were never going to get there, but to not believe in the system before the season even starts, I think just sends you on the wrong track, and, and it's a hopeless track. So, it's, it, I mean, it, it seemed crazy from the outside. It seemed crazy to everybody that you talked to, and then the players experienced it, and then... I try not to get too hyped up into the training camp stuff, right? I mean, you guys work really hard to go in and report on training camp. And you got, you know, just reporters in general, right? It's like, here's completion percentages, and here's how the offense looked, here's how the defense looked, and all that stuff. Go back to training camp. How did the offense look in training camp? Because a lot of times it's like, does that actually matter with the season? But it seemed like it did this year. It was disjointed from the jump. You know, let me, let me amend that. The very first practice of the year, actually, for training camp, the offense looked pretty good. Yeah. And they were whooping it up, and they were, you know, Devontae Parker's catching 50-50 balls for touchdowns and throwing the ball into the stands, and it, it was a wild scene. And we're, we're all sitting there saying to ourselves, because we had watched the spring, and there's, you know, even less that you can take away from spring right, workouts, right. right? But it didn't look great in the spring, and then they had one practice, and it looked okay. But really, from there on out, it was a mess. And obviously the quarterback's not under any kind of threat to be hurt, but right. you saw free runners just walking through the line of scrimmage, you know, trying not to completely disrupt the rep because you still want to get the play in on film. But, like, you know, you'd see middle linebackers just literally strolling through the middle of the line of scrimmage yeah. with their hands up as if to say, what do you want me to do here? Because I'm very obviously unblocked. And that, would, that was a consistent And that's thing. usually the first thing. When an offensive coordinator puts in a system, they start with protections. It's like, here's how we're going to block it up, right? They don't, they don't draw the routes and all that stuff. They actually have to teach. First things first, we have to make sure everybody's blocked. So when you see unblocked rushers and stuff like that, obviously there's issues. Well, and the details on that, and these came to light pretty quickly. And I will say this, as somebody who's covered the team now since 2011, this year was unlike any other year because people were willing to talk. Yeah. Because it was so not messy the that way. people wanted – I think people wanted the world to know why it looked the way it did. Yeah. And so what I was able to learn was as far as the protections go, they completely, and I'm not sure this got enough play, and maybe that's on us as beat reporters, in terms of the importance of where the offense went, 
they changed. It wasn't just that they handed the offense over to Matt Patricia. They changed the offense. They essentially became a West Coast team after being this Earhart Perkins system from the time Charlie Weiss and Bill Belichick right. arrived on the scene in 2000. They wanted to be a West Coast team. And I don't know if that was Daryl Bevel's influence on Matt Patricia when the two of them worked together in Detroit or if it was just Bill Belichick's love and affection for. And I, I, I believe he has real love for Mike Shanahan, who's a great friend of his going back right. decades. Um, and the respect that he has for that system, the respect he has for Kyle, the respect he has for Sean McVay, he said this is something we want to try, and so let's implement this stuff. But all of the protections went from word-based protections to number-based protections. They started running a lot more zone plays. They always ran a little bit of zone, but everything was zone. It was yeah. wide inside zone and outside zone. And even with the outside zone, like they tried to maybe put their own little wrinkle on it. I don't follow some of those other West Coast teams as closely as the Patriots, obviously, but I remember talking to defensive coaches who would watch the Patriots, and they were familiar with the Patriots and preparing for the Patriots in years past, and they said, man, it's a lot of zone, and when they run their outside zone, that is the definition of outside, or if you want to call it wide zone, it's about as wide as it can get. If you go back and you watch, I think it was the fourth game of the year they played the Packers, they're running around Preston Smith, who's like the outside linebacker yeah. on Trent Brown's side. That was which like the is, Peyton Manning old school That's exactly stretch, what I was right? told. It yeah. was it goes back to the Peyton Manning where he's lunging, he's sprinting, he's hauling right. ass for Peyton Manning, right. sprinting and lunging to get the ball ju- just handed off. Um, so it was very different, and it yeah. took them – they really never caught up. I almost said it took them a while to get adjusted. They never got adjusted. They never got adjusted. They started to go back to more of their gap stuff and their power stuff as the year went on because they were so bad. They were so inefficient with the right. zone stuff. But they never fully, as an offense, got their feet under. So that was um, what they used to be defined as, was really multiple from a run game perspective. Kind of like the Eagles this weekend, right? You'll run gap and zone. And it's usually this strict combination um, or a really good combination of stuff, whereas like the old school Shanahan, the Mike Shanahan stuff was like, we only run zone. Right, there's this famous um, Alex Gibbs clinic basically on uh, YouTube and all that stuff where you hear, hear him explaining, he, he calls it wide zone. He, he's like, we only run this, right? We have to rep this. And that's why they only run because like, they have to rep it over and over and over again because the linemen have to communicate and double teams and read fronts and all that stuff. So it really is difficult to implement in an offseason. And it's why there are, you know, again, this is my understanding. I've learned a lot about this as it was happening. You, know, you talk to offensive coaches around the league. And they would say things along the lines of, there's a reason why there's about a half dozen offensive line coaches who run this system and run it really well. And even if there's a head coaching change where they are, they get picked up by another West Coast team because they are so effective at being able to teach this stuff and teach the finer points of it. Just seeing if Sam's about to get arrested here. We have any updates? He said I might be getting booked. Might be getting booked? That's great. That's great. We got a podcast to do. We have to like redo the start here soon. So, can we record first before he gets locked up? I would say maybe do the podcast from jail. Oh, that'd be good. Yeah. That'd Bring be good. Bring this thing on the road. What would uh what would Portnoy do in this case, right? <laughs> He's got a lot. We we'll talk to the barstool guys. They have a lot of experience getting arrested and uh, you know, carrying through. You go gorilla gorilla style, <laughs> we'll right? Bring, let's bring get the mobile. Mics. We'll bring the mics and camera. Yeah follow him yeah we definitely have to track this and follow him just so, have somebody in the background dragging like a tin <laughs> cup along the bars 
of the anyway, prison cell. Back to outside zone. Okay, so what's gonna happen going forward? Right? That so would this be a was... different type of ambient noise. <laughs> you guys are getting some good ambient noise here. We're, we're boots on the ground. We're in the middle radio row here. That this would is, be a little bit different. This is why we have to be on the scene here. This is where you get the good stuff. Um, so the whole season was a disaster. It felt like a disaster. You saw it pretty much from the inside. The players were talking about it. Because we like to talk about the personnel and the players, but like how oh, much what's did actually, actually happening on the field? What did right? we learn? But what did we even learn this year from the Patriots? I know the the question around New England is: Is Mac Jones good? Did you waste a year? Like, you kind of legitimately did waste a year of his development and his rookie contract, right? We just got finished talking to Kurt Warner for our Next Pats podcast, and he said, I, "I think you have to give Mac, you know, four years before you really figure out what he has." And part of that is baking into. He didn't use this word, but I'll use this word. What was a lost year, too? Yeah. When we're in a world here in the NFL where a lot of times year two is where you make that mat. If you're going to be a very good quarterback in the NFL, you do make a legitimate leap, do you not? I mean, you would know that better than I would. I don't know. Maybe that gets overplayed. But that was what we were all thinking going into this past year in New England. Well, we'll have a better idea of who Mac Jones is, what he can be. Maybe they can surround him with more talent, which I think they did. It's still not great talent, but it was right. better than what he had in year one. But, again, the buy-in wasn't – I shouldn't say it wasn't there completely. I do think Mac Jones tried to, early on, stiff up or lip it, right? Yeah. I'm going to be the players, the, 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 the coaches player. What Bill Belichick is specifically looking for, he says jump, I say how high kind of guy for the yeah. first couple months of the season – but he eventually, and we all saw it, he kind of lost it on the field, screaming at coaches, going back to the sideline, screaming at people there. He really wasn't trying to hide it. And then after the Bills game at Gillette Stadium, he's talking to us in the media from the podium saying, I, I want to be coached hard. And what I was told talking to a, a number of players that night was they were taking the responsibility on their shoulders for any improvement that they might be able to experience from that point on for the stretch run of the season. They basically were saying, it's on us. We're not going to get that help that we need from the coaching staff, so it's on us to be on the details of passing concepts and how to run certain routes in certain situations, which it shouldn't be that Oh, way. that's crazy. Especially when you've got a second-year quarterback who is probably beyond his years in terms of his understanding sure. of things and football IQ and all that, but it's way too much to put on a guy like that and this is from a building where we always heard about bill belichick coaching tom brady like he was a rookie even when he was in year 20 didn't matter right you call out your star and everyone else will fall in line and we're hearing the opposite stuff coming out so here's my big question right that you probably don't have an answer to but how does bill belichick let this happen is this just a random misstep did he misevaluate did he just run out of options how does he go to matt patricia and joe judge they're running the offense that's my decision. I think there are a couple things at play. Number one is just his trust in Matt Patricia. You know, Nick Cayley just went from being the tight ends coach for the Patriots to being the tight ends coach for the Rams. And so talking to some people around the league, you know, how do we get here? Because he was, it looked like, if they were going to do what they always did, which was take a guy who had been in the system for a decade, the better part of a decade at yep. least, a Josh McDaniels. He works his way through different position groups on one side of the ball, and then he becomes the offensive coordinator because Bill Belichick is so focused on promoting from within. Yep. That should have been Kaylee. Why wasn't it Kaylee? You know, we go back to that this past week, and what I was told was two words, Matt, Patricia. Belichick so respects Matt Patricia and so loves Matt Patricia. I think he has almost like a 
I think they're really good friends. I think it's almost a father-son type of relationship. Matt Patricia was great to Steve Belichick when Steve Belichick was getting his foot in the door and getting his feet wet in this coaching profession. And so when Matt was available and he knew Matt wanted to get onto the offensive side of the ball, because we all know if you want to become a head coach, it's you're probably Through better off offense. being on the offensive yep. side than the defensive side. That was the decision, and it was it was almost predetermined. But he was really, Steve, it felt like he was the one person who didn't understand that this wouldn't work. And I think the other thing that might be at play is he looks at Matt Patricia, he looks at Joe Judge, he says these guys are head coaches. Yeah. They're smart guys. They work hard. I know if you're Bill Belichick, you're probably saying to yourself, I don't know if he would ever vocalize this, but he would probably say to himself, I know I can coach every position on the field. Yeah. These guys are, are the younger versions of me. Maybe they can do it too. When clearly, you know, Bill Belichick is the outlier and you just handed off the reins yeah. of the most important aspect of your team to two guys that had never done it before. I had, I had a theory that Bill Belichick was going to call every play, that he was going to call offensive and defensive plays. But that was, uh, that was I, I think that, that would have been incredible. And I thought, I thought it try it mid-season, and I asked Bill about this, I thought mid-season he might take the play sheet. I would love to see what that looks like. Albert Breer did report that over the course of time during the season that he did have sway in terms of what – plays were being called and, yeah. and that's always been true sure but it's yeah. more like hey josh let's run it here okay yeah right it's not you know power bob O, you yeah. know 38 or whatever parcells like, used over to take headset. over play calling every now and again bill Giants belichick allegedly did it in cleveland for a time you would have thought yeah. that after going i think it was a full season with no offensive coordinator in cleveland and it didn't go well yeah that he might have gone a different route this past year. But at least now, I think people in New England are hopeful now that they have somebody with some experience That's, there. And there'll be, de question, there'll be right? detail there. There'll be a plan there. There'll be a plan to develop Mac Jones in place in a way that there wasn't, I don't think, this past year. And they'll go to the old Patriot system now, right? That's what everybody's anticipating. Because it, it was um, Charlie Weiss, Josh McDaniels, Bill O'Brien. Josh McDaniels comes back. And that was, I mean, that was it. That's for 20 years. That was the the offense, same system, same terminology, the same four coaches, three coaches. And I'm assuming Bill O'Brien's bringing the old scheme. I think the language will change back is my anticipation. I think yeah. that's the anticipation of people in the building. I think it could be a little different in some ways because Bill O'Brien's offense sort of evolved. He didn't bring necessarily the, you'll remember, the two tight end offense really took off under Bill O'Brien because they had Aaron Hernandez and Rob Gronkowski. Right. Um, they Both guys drafted in 2010, and then Bill O'Brien was offensive coordinator by title in 2011. Right. But then he goes to Houston. Well, first he's at Penn State. Then he's at Houston. He's got Deshaun Watson. There's a number of different things that you can do with Deshaun Watson. He spent this time in the college game. Now, like, I would expect it will be Patriots language and primarily Patriots that we're used to, style concepts, with some – Maybe some more RPOs mixed yeah, in. Yeah, maybe some wrinkles. They're, they're near the bottom of the league in They've terms of never RPO used usage. RPOs. I don't think Brady liked running RPOs, which I kind of understand his reasoning on it, but those are like those are like gimmies, just free plays every now and again. And Mac Jones loves them. He loves and, them. And the yeah. fact that they weren't a bigger part of the offense this year, I think they made him feel like it would be. I think they met before the season started, and he let them know this is something I'd like to see more of. Yeah. It just never came to fruition. So I think we could see more of that with Bill yeah. O'Brien. It could be sort of a meld of – the college game that Mac likes and the old Patriots stuff that Mac performed in as a rookie, and you just hope he elevates from that 2021 season. All right, last question. This offseason, we said the biggest need for the Patriots, receiver? 
Is it offensive? Is it? I know offensive tackle is a huge one, but like, what's the biggest need? You tell me. I want your perspective on this, because it feels like we're back to the Jamar Chase Panay Sewell conversation in New England. Like, what yeah. matters more? Because they definitely need a tackle. I want playmakers. For me, it's always playmakers. And I'm especially with you. Mac Jones in in year three, the same way the Chargers kind of went all in with Justin Herbert in year three, and the Bengals got the offensive line for Joe Burrow before those guys got hurt. I mean, you just got to go playmaker here. The same way. Tua in year three got his Tyree kill and all of a sudden you see his production like there's so much AB analysis Jalen Hurts when they get it doesn't have to be just the wide receiver one but you should be going to make to make your receivers your playmakers as good as possible it's been my opinion that you need multiple players who scare a defense Absolutely. whoever that is right if it's Christian McCaffrey at, a run, at running back then great if it's George Kittle at tight end then great it's a tight end I think oftentimes it's a receiver, and I think the Patriots have a serviceable, and maybe more than that, tight end in Hunter Henry. He doesn't scare the defense necessarily. No. So, they, so they're without any of those types of players. And if you want to get back to the postseason, this is the sort of thing that's looming over the Patriots' big picture. Ownership wants to get back into the playoffs and win playoff games, like yesterday. So you can talk about a slow rebuild and you lose Tom Brady and take some teams 20 years to get back. That's not what the crafts are looking for. Yeah. They're looking to get back this year. So how do you do that quickly? To me, it's invest in playmakers. Now, the hard thing for them is it sounds like I'm just sort of dipping my toes in now in the draft. It sounds like it's not a great receiver crop in this year's draft. No studs, but there's always depth, there's right? There's depth, yeah. but maybe not, you know, a number one. Yeah. And free agency, the best receiver available might be Jacoby Myers, who yep. they might be losing. Right. So, to me, I would not necessarily pay through the nose for Mike McGlinchey just to make sure that you have, as an example, somebody that I think they would like to play your right tackle spot. I would save some of that money, try to swing a dramatic trade, an yeah. A.J. Brown-style trade. Is Jerry Judy available? Is T. Higgins maybe available? Because they're not going to be able to pay all their guys. Save some of your money in free agency – swing a big trade like that, I think that could really change the entire complexion of your team and your season next year if you're able to get that guy that actually threatens the defense and sort of changes the geometry of the defense. So I'm with you. I'd go playmaker over tackle. That's what I would – I'm going to keep an eye on that for the Patriots because you, you got you to gotta beat the Bills, an explosive Dolphins team in that division. Mac Jones still on the rookie contract to take the, take the big swings. I love it. All right, so are you calling Bill or am I? I'll let him know. Okay. I'll send him an email. I'm sure he's going to – I'm sure he'll respond. Big exclamation point guy. Is so he, don't be surprised by that when you see exclamation points come back your way. Oh, yeah, it's such a millennial thing. I actually got um, – I got criticized for not using enough exclamation points in, like, our Slack channel and everything at the company. People, People don't think you're I, excited enough think about I'm your cold. job. They yeah. think I'm mean and cold. Well – So I started adding excla exclamation points. And now you're too over-the-top giddy, um, probably. Sam's still around here. It looks like he didn't get arrested. Not to get arrested? Perfect. Let's get the podcast in then before. Looks like a guy oh, who's great. trying to soak up every moment before <laughs> he gets locked away. Yes. He looks real frustrated, actually. It's awesome. Well, Phil, thanks, man. Hey, it's thanks for having, having me on. Uh, Let's Phil have Perry. you on our podcast yeah, yeah, sometime, I'll, okay? I'll come join yeah, you just over pop there. over. Media right. Row. Appreciate NBC Sports Boston, Phil Perry. Thanks, man. Thanks. Thank you. All right, we are thrilled to have our uh, Bussin' with the Boys friends. For now friends of the show. We mentioned that Taylor might be an enemy of the show Maybe. yesterday. We, but uh, we'll see. We'll see at the end of this. So Taylor Lewan, Will Compton, welcome. 
Glad to be here, man. I want to say, to I want to say, when we first you walked towards me, you're a very big man, and you shook my hand, yeah. and I believe your hand wrapped all the way around mine. Mm -hmm. So there was a bit of an intimidation yeah, right. when That's I first good. walked up. Before so I need to navigate that as we go into what we're about to go into. He looks but, like a, he looks like a bad guy in a movie. Yeah, but Thank you're you. telling me yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. what we're going. He looks for. like the heavy, like the uh, there's the bad guy and then his right hand man. He's yeah. the right hand man. But, but you're telling me that didn't exist when I when I met you. You're the bad guy. And oh, he's I see. the guy gotcha. that grunts in like a 007 movie. Protecting you. Yeah, yeah. Oh, he's definitely the heavy. So I'm Jaws. Definitely yeah, the heavy. Absolutely. His so, you know the the combine season is going to be coming up. They do all the hand measurements and all that kind of stuff. He has larger hands than have ever been recorded at the NFL combine. Yeah, I could. I trust me, sir. I felt that as his <laughs> as his thumb and his pinky were touching <laughs> when he t wrapped his hand around mine. What size gloves? So, I don't know. Just double X. Whatever they got. Biggest gloves. There are no X's large enough. Is it? Yeah. Uh, did you play? Did you play sports? Like, did you, I was a minor league baseball pitcher. Minor, so I was and, a pitcher. So. Okay. Cool. Yeah. That's Not awesome. A football and now you grade football. Now I grade football. Gotcha. Yeah. That sounds. So like we're gonna a get into resume. how I perfectly know offensive line play yeah. and how to uh -huh. grade you. And all I that can. Stuff. This boys <laughs> is already going. Look, you exactly can see. It. I kind of like. Kind of want to drop out right now. I think we're that. in a good spot. I intimidated him and yeah. we're out. Yeah, this would be. You know? This would be. Yeah. But you saw how his ears perked up once you heard. Oh, it's a baseball guy. I can make money out of this. And I was also. I was on the sideline when you. During uh, training camp, and you guys were with the Bucks. You know, mm. you had the little tussle at the end and all that yep. stuff. And yep. Vrabel's jumping in there yeah, and all that Vrabel fun lives. stuff. Vrabel like, lives for that moment. I was intimidated, you know, because I didn't want to yeah. be a part of that. Yeah. Now, on your podcast, you guys said that the PFF, that agents are known to pay money for improved grades. It's so what we were wondering is, Alleged do, you, do you want the price list now or after the, sh after the show? I would love to hear a little bit about it now, but I do want to say one thing. My agent must suck. <laughs> uh, we didn't pay the right people. Yeah. I, I pulled up the career grades. Oh gosh, yeah. Uh oh. You guys didn't pay up. Yeah, we no. must not have paid. We didn't. Pay, Will, we must not have paid the uh, right amount. What was Will's average grade? Let's just maybe maybe my highest. What was my? We have highest? a 76 on a small sample size in 2018. <laughs> oh hey, 18 <laughs> baby. I had to preface it in a small sample yeah, size, yeah. but yeah. you know uh, it, was, it was good. Uh, that, is that when I was on the Titans? It was with the Titans. See, yeah. and if that's one of my better years, that's where it's like that's where I feel like it's off because. In yeah. my opinion, on my play, like grading myself, I felt like I wasn't. You only had 72 or snaps or that's something. That's what I'm saying. 80 snaps. That's, that's a, more than a whole game. That's yeah. true. You should be proud of that. I almost picked off the Eagles. You guys know what I'm talking about. Overtime, OT. <laughs> OT. You know, I you guys, remember that. We drove down we got and won that the game down. on that field goal. We got that down. And uh, smothered Corey Davis. Yeah, I was just anything for the attention in that point. Uh, yes, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It wasn't a field goal. It was a touchdown yeah. pass. But, yeah. I once thought Corey Davis could be a Hall of Famer. That's true. Yeah, yeah. well, it shows in your grading. So it's it's yeah. everything's really playing uh, playing into what we're talking about right uh -huh. now. So let me ask you guys a question: Who does the grading? Are you guys sitting there? You're grading every single game, or like, do you have a team? How many people are on this team? Yeah, so we have a team. Um, we used to be uh, two of the graders. We've yeah. we've we've uh, graduated you know, moved on to doing podcasts. Got promoted. Right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You guys do a phenomenal. We've job become of this. celebrities now, so we were you know yeah. we're out of that yeah. real big yeah. time. Like that. We just yell at the graders, you know, if they screw anything up. Right. Um, so there's there's about 500 people that do some level of data collection for us. It's usually the um, you know who's on the field and all that stuff. But the top like five to ten percent of people are trained up to do the grading. So there's about 70 people who are trained up to do the grading. That's a six month process to learn how to grade and see the game through the eyes that we've determined, whatever. Mm -hmm. um, and then from there, there's only about 15 to 20. Uh, reviewers who go through and review the final grades and that is a combination of people like me who just happen to be pitchers who know football enough to do that um, we've got former coaches we've got former players on that review team so 
it's about 15 to 20 people who put that final stamp on every single grade. And so when you guys go through the six month of training preparation, uh, do you guys break, break it down as far as like regions, uh, NFC, AFC, South, North, East, West, and then what offenses they run, what defenses they run, and how, what their what their job is to do in those type of situations. No, so our graders will have um, we'll have a grader go through to like the full game, mm-hmm. and then we have we do it by facet. So we'll have like a pass protection, pass rush specialist. Yeah. We'll have a run game specialist, and we'll have a pass game specialist. Gotcha. Review each piece of the game, and those guys are trained up, and they're just going through each NFL game and then each college game. And all these guys, I'm assuming, have uh, real-world experience in the NFL? Not necessarily. Okay. No. And I'm just asking? I'm just asking? I'm just I have asking. a question. That was a leading What's... question, but, you know, that's not <laughs> some do, some don't. I mean, I feel like if I said the things that I said on Bustin' with the Boys podcast, I can't come here and tuck the tail. I am actually, Attack, oh, no, let's do it. I'm let's, here, let's, I'm, no, I'm let's, here to learn show. about That's PFF. why you're here, yeah. I've been told things, and now I want to learn, but we'll go ahead. I was just going to ask, uh, what's a sample size? Like, let's say linebacker. Like, what's a couple of facets of the game that – gets with the graders that goes to the reviewers like what are like so what, we, what's the sample size so when like? we say facet we're looking at so like a linebacker gets graded in run defense pass rush and coverage what goes into let's just say run defense so for for run defense you're gonna if you're taking on blocks we can give you a positive so we're giving positives and negatives right we can give you a positive when you're taking on a fullback blowing him up letting someone else get the tackle uh, making a tackle in and around the line of scrimmage might get you a positive. Blowing a gap will get you a negative. You know, getting blocked out of the play gets you a negative, that type of thing. And, and the thing, so when we sort of run a review process of the grades, the thing that gets through to the reviews are when two graders essentially differ on a play, right? So if one guy's given it a positive, the other guy hasn't, now somebody's got to go in and look at that and go, well, who was right here? Like, which one of these grades mm-hmm. got it right? And that sort of flags a lot of the mistakes along the way and gets it to a third set of eyes the third guy being the more senior reviewer. Is it more so how it looks no, it's, it's, or the scheme of it's the defense? Production. Like, let's just say like, a great question let's just say like uh, so I've been in a couple systems like say cover three, for example, mm-hmm. to where the inside backers, you would be in a system where we're always spilling to the next guy so you can scrape over top. Yeah. Other cover three defenses, you'll, you'll take on the blocker for depending on where your leverage is at. So if you need to get it back inside, one system you might spill it to the outside so the other linebacker can scrape. In another system you might leverage it right. to get it back to the inside guy. Is it more how it looks at the point of attack, or do you guys, do these graders understand the uh, schematics that are involved of making that happen? So I'll preface this first. Because somebody could look, somebody could look sure. sexy blowing up a blocker, but sure. maybe be yeah. But it if, might they're be on, a minus, if they're on the wrong side of the block, it might be wrong. If they're on the wrong side of the block, absolutely. So um, our guys are really good at going through and saying, here's how Seattle usually plays this. Let's, you know, what should we expect? Or let's go look at similar plays. How are they, how they, how are they fitting against inside zone in this look or whatever it is, you know, if it gets to, if it gets to that point. I think most of the time, the, the common complaint from an NFL player is like, you don't know what we're supposed to do. Like, you're not right, in the huddle. Right. You don't know this. And there, like, there's elements of that. But once you go make a block on the backside of inside zone, it's like I pretty much have an idea of what you're trying to do unless everybody's on the wrong page right mm-hmm. if you're the only one on the wrong page it's like you can kind of figure it out so our guys do have a pretty good handle on how each scheme works they're seeing a lot of the same stuff every single week and if there are questions there's always going to be questions and you know gray areas and stuff like that we're not going to say hey you know will looks bad on this play but we don't know for sure if it's really bad so we're going to call it a zero which is neutral in our system so we won't guess on certain plays if there are gray areas. Busted pass protections, there's there's 20 to 25 plays per week where you just lit, legitimately can't can't really right. tell. Is it the back, is it the yeah. tackle, whatever it might be. Are there situations, obviously, if a guy 
misses a block completely. That's easy to grade. Anybody sure. can go and, and grade that situation. I think that the thing, the um, the scuffle about PFF in the, in the NFL locker room is what you said. They don't know what we're doing. They don't know what kind of scheme we're running. There are so many different kinds of offenses in the yep. NFL on, on, a, on a day-to-day basis. Even Will, talking about basic cover three. And there's different ways to do to do all of that. So if I'm looking at um, a website that's grading me, how am I supposed to give credibility to this website if you guys don't know where my hand placement's supposed to be? Don't Because it could go the opposite way too, right? A lot of guys are bitching because, oh, I don't get a good grade by PFF. Right. 2016, I was the number one rated tackle per PFF for the first 10 weeks of the season. And even then, I'm like, well, these guys don't necessarily know what I'm doing right and wrong. And you guys could grade things either but way. But devil's advocate. Was that wrong? It's nice to. <laughs> uh, when you're not that good. That, what was I your was best playing, year? Devil's advocate. Seven, 16, 17, 18. Devil's advocate. Years. And 20. You know, if you're the player in that situation, you would. And I would promote something like that because yeah, you're wanting that yeah. validation I mean, as well. Of course. If you're not like it. You know what I mean? So, like me, if you're the number one graded, if I'm the number one graded linebacker, first 10 weeks of a season and I see PFF tweeting about it and all that stuff if I'm not doing well I'm more prone to be a guy who would mouth PFF yeah if I'm doing well I, too. I might hold my tongue like maybe I'll say it to, to you in the locker room mm-hmm. that yeah you guys those guys don't know anything but the way this is working out for me and they are right I am the best and that's human nature right like if you think if you may or may not be doing well but people are saying you're doing well you're going to feed into that because it makes you feel better yeah. about yourself and then it goes on the other end. If you think you're doing well and PFF is not reflecting that, then it's all—it's super easy to go, hey, PFF's not doing X, Y, and Z for me and what I need. I just get, I get confused um, strictly from an offensive line standpoint because I don't, I can't tell you what Will does on, a, on coverages and all that, and I can't tell you what wide receivers do, but I know probably one of the hardest things to grade is probably offensive line because there's so many different schemes. There's uh, right. there's gaps there's there's gap scheme there's inside zone there's outside zone there's different kind of screens there's different kind of landmarks, and so it could go both ways and that's why, in the in the locker room I've only been in one locker room but that locker room there is a lot of like well they don't necessarily truly understand what we're doing I'll tell you what you guys I think you guys do really well though is access to plays like um, when you first get in the NFL I don't know how PFF's been a thing but in 2014 when I first got here. It was you have your film, you have your iPad, and you're able to break things down third down, uh, third and short, third and medium, third and long screens, two minutes, full games, these kinds of games, first and ten, those types of things. I think PFF does an incredible job of letting people who want to subscribe to PFF see the breakdown of first, second, third down and every type of situational football. I think you guys do a phenomenal job with that. I worry when it comes to grading players because it's easy to go and do X, Y, and Z yeah. and say, hey, this guy's doing good or this guy's doing bad. An, an example of that is Trent Williams. Trent Williams is by far and away the best offensive tackle in the NFL. Possibly, I mean, he could be arguably the best Arguably the best ever, yeah. right? Yeah, now, I can, put, I can put 49ers film on there and watch him do uh, the backside of an outside zone. He'll go, he'll turn, he'll, his hips will open incredibly. A guy will lunge forward and he'll put his hands down, he'll fall to the ground. We've all seen Trent do that. It's a very savvy vet move. Mm-hmm. Also the reach around, right? He's behind a step, grabs him by the hip, pulls him by, that never yep. gets called. Those are things that the the result of the play works for Trent, but the process, every offensive line coach doesn't teach that. There's some guys that teach the reach around, hey, if you get in a pinch, this is what you need to do. But from a technique standpoint, it would be minus, minus, minus across the board. But I we think, would, yeah. we give him 
credit for that. That's the so thing. we're going. That's we're giving production based. Right, you guys. You guys don't. You guys don't grade the process. You guys grade the result. Yes, and I think that's the thing. Is we're not trying to grade the technique because we don't necessarily know that right well, we're, we're right. Not, let me just say we do thing. both right like sorry good i think that's the thing that's hardest is when you're not in that locker room and you don't know what the offensive line coach is teaching exactly you don't yeah. know what he wants them to do with their hands and all that kind of stuff so a large degree of it we're not messing with that stuff and we're looking at the production and trent williams has been is it two or three years running he's been the number one great attack on the nfl oh, brother he's so, in a row he and then so also good. like 2013 right and like whenever you it was like sporadic and then like the last three years he's yeah. been the best he's yeah. been incredible but you know that also goes into a, a, a i say a recency bias loosely because the 49ers have been good and their their offensive line has been good so how does human nature not take over to where you guys are like oh the 49ers are good this guy just went through his six months of uh grading and he doesn't want to mess up so he's like well i know that this the philadelphia eagles offensive line is good so i'm going to grade these guys higher and the 49ers offensive line, i'm going to grade them higher too right in part you know? because we have so we try to handle the bias stuff which is human nature by having multiple graders right, right. having multiple multiple people look at things We've had plenty of situations through the years, like when um, Joe Thomas and Mitchell Schwartz were on the Browns and Joel Batonio and everything. They had a great offensive line. They weren't winning any games. And we yeah. and that was part of the story that we would tell. The Browns have a great offensive line, but everything else has been terrible, right? Yeah. Um, so I think we handle that for the most part. When, when, when we say we, we grade the results, we also sometimes say we do grade the process because we do give a quarterback credit when he makes a great throw and the ball gets dropped. I don't think there's any other advanced system that truly says you just dropped a 40-yard dime and it got dropped but we're giving you proper credit for it. Right. And, of course, most people care about quarterbacks. So we, the biggest pushback we have is, like, this guy just threw for 350 yards and three touchdowns. Why did he have an average grade? And it's like, well, we're able to parse out the quarterback versus, you know, yards after the catch and what receivers do at the catch point and all that stuff. So what I'll say is we're grading thousands of plays. It's not perfect, right? right? I mean, if you want to come in here and look at, the play, at your grades and stuff like that, I think we're going to agree on most of them. I really do. There might be some that are off. But yeah. I think for the most part, we're, we're directionally good, and it's somewhat stable year to year, which is another test, right, yeah. of, okay, a lot of the, you know, facets, pass blocking and run blocking are pretty stable from year to year. So it's either consistency in our process, consistency in players, but we're able to kind of validate it a little bit by what the numbers have told us through the, the years. The other thing I think is an interesting difference. When you guys get graded internally, do you get just a plus or a minus, right? Did your job? Uh, did your uh, job. Yeah, plus zero, minus, yeah. and there's different levels of the grade. Yeah, because yeah. it's a lot different of the, by old line coach. And right, very different. Right. And, and the, a lot and of the, the old line coach can be more aggressive or less aggressive based yeah. on how they're feeling, like they want their style of teaching to be. Right. Yeah. The, the fact that we have this sort of middle tier of zero grade, where it's an expected play. It's not a positive. It's not a negative. It's just in the middle. You know, maybe. You know, you're trying to block a defensive lineman in the gap, but it's also the gap that he wants to be in anyway. So both of you guys are just kind of right. getting through the play. Yeah, his job is the right. B gap. For I us, have to have the B exactly. gap. Exactly. For us, it's a zero, right? You both did your job. It was fine, but neither one of you went above and beyond. Neither one of you did anything wrong. Now, um, hold on. Based on that point right there, if I'm blocking a guy in the B gap and the D tackle has the B gap and I block him, but my running back runs into that B gap because there's nowhere else to go in a situation, right. he gets the tackle. Does that so he will, he will get a positive now because he's ended up with a positive play at the end of it. Like and he was in the gap anyway, but he finished the play with a tackle. But yeah. you're not going to get downgraded because mm -hmm. the running back screwed you. Yeah, um, we're real cognizant of your ta you're blocking for seven and a half yards for the quarterback. The quarterback drops to ten. Mm -hmm. I mean, this happens with Mahomes all the time, right? He's dropping to eleven or twelve yards, and it looks like the tackle's getting whooped. And we're saying, no, you know, that's a it's a completely different landmark than what they're blocking for, most likely, right? There's, you know, so yeah. we take all that stuff into con in, into consideration. Right. 
I'm personally, uh, like, for me, uh, I'm curious how, like, subjective it is. So something that, like, say, I would think about when I was playing was, uh, like, if, if, say, myself and Fred Warner looked about the exact same on the play, I wonder how subjective it is to favor a guy to get a more favorable grade like a Fred Warner than it would be a guy like myself or somebody lower. You know what I mean? I So we, it's interesting because we – Because there'd be, there'd be times where it's like you see grades, I'm yeah. like, man – I just got graded out shitty on PFF. You know, you're trying to like, uh, you're playing you know, the game. In you're your trying head. to like separate it. Like, yeah. oh, I don't buy yeah. into that type of thing and be focused on like sure. what the coaches and stuff say. It's like, man, I graded well this game, and I had like I had several tackles. I wonder, I wonder what their criteria is, and then it gets yeah. you thinking, like, man, like I wonder how subjective it is and biased people could be because they're getting to watch. Trent Williams, Luke Keekley, Fred Warner. Yeah. It's like they're going to get a good – Bobby Wagner. It's like, it's like that dude's always been in the 90s. He's an absolute yeah. stud. But it's like, hey, like let's – Bobby's in L.A. or like you said earlier, like Seattle. Seattle does it this way. They always do a pretty good job. Like it's already – they already get to start at a certain standard type of deal. And, and another thing too is like there's there's those unicorns in, for the defensive line like a, uh, like a J.J. Watt, for instance. J.J. Watt, if you put on defensive film – you'd be able to sit there as a player and be like, this guy does not play team stru- defense. Team that's defense. That, that was, that's yeah. how Vray, that's, so how, we, that, that's he, like Vray when he comes in, Vray's right. first year as a coach, and we're game planning against the Texans. Yeah. Now he's not trying to be malicious, but it's like you're coaching the game. You're like, hey, uh, why at 99 like he coached with him in Houston? Right. He's going to backdoor. He's going to swipe back behind two right. guys. He's going to do what he wants like, in He will disrupt the game, but he does not play a whole he'll lot have, of He'll have four TFLs, but he'll also have Correct. a 60-yard run put on him twice, and now it's like, okay. And he'll have three plus ones and yeah, like a minus one right. for us for a busted gap. Right. Exactly. And, and, and maybe so, his busted gap might be a zero for you guys versus an actual it should be minus. A, it should be you a know negative. what I'm saying? So, like what we, what we went through. So Bobby Slowick was one guy that worked for us for years. He was with um, – Yeah, I, he was, I was with him my first year in Washington. Yeah, right. Bobby, older the, or younger? The younger one. The younger so one, he's, yeah, yeah. He might be getting the Texans offensive coordinator job right now and all that stuff. He was with us for a couple of years, and he helped hone our system and everything because he was on the defensive side with you guys, right? And, he, and, and we had that same discussion. What happens when J.J., you know, he's going the wrong gap, and then Bobby's like, we used to say, if, if you're going to do it, make the play, right? So we kind of lean into that. Like, if you're going to be wrong, you better finish it and make the play because that's still good for the team, two right? Yards it's deep still good for the team. But if you do blow the gap, like, you're going to get like negative, right? So teach. it's almost like you're taking you're taking a chance. I mean, there's there's elements to, to your game probably where you're taking a chance kind of in a pass set or something like that. There's probably yeah. some equivalent yeah, there's different, that you're like, getting away you with, for, right? So we're judging whether or not you got away with it or mm. not, right? So that's kind of how we would handle that situation. I'd like to think that we're not biased by saying, this is Will, this is Bobby. Like, correct, correct. Yeah, you know. I'm just trying to talk from, like, my own. Like, when yeah. I would when see you're it playing sometimes, I'm like, man, I wonder, like, how but they're getting to that. Like, if it's talk. like they're seeing a good guy, not saying I'm bad, I'm talking about they're seeing somebody they really like doing this play, and we kind of look the same, but maybe – And I think, you know who's more biased than us, though? Your coaches are way more biased because – You'll be out there, and he'll be like, "I can ask Taylor to make this block. That's easy." But if your backup comes in, he's like, "I can't ask. I can't ask him to make this yeah. block. He's the backup, right?" Well, and we're just I... like, "You're just Taylor Luan. You're just the backup. Doesn't matter. We're right. going to treat you guys the same." Well, let me ask you mean, this: that, that from a... as far as like backing, how PFF got started? Were there ever active NFL players backing or investing in at PFF? No. Nope. Are you sure? Uh huh. Okay. Oh, positive. I mean, I can. There was almost Chris no Collins was it. Certainly earlier, there was no backing or investment in PFF. Period. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, we were making so no money doing this on you know. If Chris Collinsworth bought it, and then yeah. all, and then now it was able to be. You go, hey, Terrell Luan, University of Michigan. It pops up, number forty-seven out of sixty-three tackles. NBC's a client. 
of ours. Yeah, they um, pay yes. for our data and for, and that's and that's an outstanding. Us. You guys are doing a great job at, at the job, but it's like I'm wondering what is. I, I'm still, Where's the source of this misinformation? <laughs> well, Let's I can't. Go, I can't sit there. No, no, I can't sit there and say that. Because then, then I would be adding. Then I would be adding the individual. I'd be adding individuals. No, no, no we don't need the individual. But I am more than welcome. You can go tell the individual that it's wrong. To you guys off the show, I'm just saying: Was there ever football players that were active in the NFL that? Had money invested in PFF? No, absolutely. And the guys are saying no. No, okay, maybe right. not that you're aware of. I personally don't know. I'm just trying to play a nice. Right. Right. He was like the third. Advocate. He was the like, third person. Are there the any a, are there any agencies that are involved with PFF? No, no. We sell agents like packets where they go to use them in negotiations with teams. Like mm -hmm. here's a bunch of information, a bunch of highlight reels, and your right. guy. You take that into the room. You try and get him the best contract you can. We don't. I mean, is that same it. with ownership and GMs? So yeah, like well, they have access anyway, right? So the, all yeah, 32 yeah, yeah, teams. Yeah, so yeah, that's yeah, why it wouldn't make sense, shit, right? Yeah. So let, this is why. I mean, I heard Travis Kelsey say it on his show and all that stuff too. And we got to go. We got to go find Travis. It's a fantastic show. Yes, yeah, show. it is. So it wouldn't make sense for us, right? Because you said you can go in and look at all the plays. Our biggest clients are the 32 NFL teams, and by in almost every FBS team, they have access to every single play that we grade. If they want to go through and say these guys are idiots, they graded this negative and this positive. Like, what are they doing? Yeah, Taylor must be paying them or whatever it might be. We can't do that. Like, right. that's not even like that doesn't even make sense. If you if business wise, if we wanted to do that, right? Now, we Those have are the biggest. Con like, Maybe a couple in there. Like, no, you there's. Know, say, well, say, he said in the beginning of the conversation, there's probably 25 plays we could look at and say, ah, we don't know, so we'll give them a zero. Right. If I pay you guys twenty five thousand uh, dollars, ten of those zeros now become pluses. We're looking at a completely different grade than we were before. Or a few I of them. Now or play, a few yeah, of them. or just a few of them. Yeah. And that bumps up that grade. Twenty-five I, grand. I mean, maybe we can, maybe we could talk. I mean, <laughs> I, I've heard it. I, I've heard that's the number. I've heard that is the number. That's and I'm, I mean, that's and that ludicrous. Is, and that is, a, is an amazing, is an amazing ludicrous. situation for the four of us to sit down and have this conversation because it gives us the ability to, to break these things down. Yeah. NFL players are going to see this. I, NFL and, players and have see, like seen me talk about this, have talked to me about this. I've had no, like, you guys have been, I don't know how the, how the list looks there, but pretty good to me throughout my right. career. Pretty good. I think. Um, oh yeah, so, and like, and generally, good. like, generally, we were talking before the the correlation between like people that we don't grade well hate us and people that do grade well grade really well. That's not what we're talking about here because yeah. you you've always graded well. Right, I'm just saying but, what I've what I've heard. Absolutely, right. and but the point is, you know, twenty five grand from an agent to fix a guy, you know, change some grades. All of a sudden, a guy looks different, without giving the business numbers away. Like every NFL team is playing. Uh, an order of magnitude more than that. So the contracts that we would be jeopardizing by boosting one individual player, even for twenty-five grand, mm. would be insane. Like it would. There's yeah. no way. I mean, based on what you're saying, I, yeah, that that would that would be an insane thing to do. You, that's very, that's that. very My good. My thought is like uh, it could be it could be something that you guys just you, maybe you, you're unaware of it. There's not too many channels Inside in the ball. company. Like you, you that guys, are you guys might feel very secure. Some and, big dog. And certain in the company. Other guys who maybe who are employees think, of the company who don't have the certainty and security, maybe they are no, more, I mean, more apt to get. I'm the, in the, I'm in the chats that review the grades. I have the grades in front of me all the time, right? And you know, there's. Well, we also, hey, by this, the way, let's go check this one. Yeah. Maybe we missed this one from like three years and ago. Even, this one just even came outside up. of that, growth of any company, you have to employ more people. When you employ more people, there's more liability no, for people not to be but I, as credible. I think there's as only a handful of people that actually. So there is that the 20 people or so that I mentioned. There's about 20 to 25 people in the company who have access to go to look at every one of your grades and change it if possible. Change my grade. You, you're one of those people. Change my right grade now. right now. Let's change go. it to 99. Oh yeah, we'll, we'll say. It. I mean, just for appearing in the podcast. Well, you know yeah. it's going, right? 
I know the going rate. But, so. uh, yeah, yeah. Like, in addition to that, like, there's a lot of checks and balances throughout the process between the multiple graders, but there's also every time we change something, it's going to affect something else, right? So all of a sudden, a number doesn't start to make any sense. Like, let's say, you know, the, the Titans run game is all of a sudden, like, setting records for but all, all the offensive linemen are grading like crap. Or the other way around. It's, it's mm -hmm. not going anywhere, but all the offensive linemen are grading amazingly. We're like, well, that doesn't make any sense. Why is that happening? As soon as you start to go through, you're like, hang on. What the hell are these grades? Like this right. guy, there's all these plus ones here that shouldn't be there. I think it would be noticed pretty quickly if we had some random guy, Renner, going rogue and you know putting plus ones everywhere for 25 grand. If there was anyone that's on the take, it might be Renner. Yes, that's the only and person we did, that we did like check. That he was, enemy number one. We we'll, did we'll check, check that he was cut out from the. They're uh, yelling system, at you guys so. to leave. They want you guys to go. You have you have more important things. This to has do. been a, this has been a fun conversation. And this has been a very constructive conversation. All right, do you believe us? Or do you believe your friends? <laughs> I think there's. I think there's a. This is not a black and white situation. I think what you guys said are fantastic. I think what you just said is fantastic. But I think there's also like this is the game within the game within the game here. You guys are playing a fantastic game, but I, I can't just sit here and say everybody on PFF is doing things correctly. I think well, what you okay. guys are doing great. I think what you guys. Audit. What you guys should. Um, what you guys should think about doing too is grading effort. Audit, yeah. I think effort. grading effort would be a, a big thing. We do, we do that in small pieces here and there. But you're right. That's something we get out. I so. The overall takeaway, though, is that we've taken this from a broad company-level conspiracy mm. to now maybe we've got a bad apple we got to root out. Yeah. Is, that, is that what we're saying? Well, yeah, I, th I mean, yeah, possibly. So my, my take is, like, because um, I, I think what you guys do is cool for everybody who, like, loves to consume the game of football. Like, you guys obviously access a lot of data. You grade. You do a lot of stuff that kind of helps people wrap their mind around what's all happening when it comes to data and everything else. And I think this, the, uh, the sucky part is, like, you know, you see the you see the grades like on the NBC and everything like that. I think to help validate those things, I think a good piece to add would be like a an educational system on guys that are actually getting graded as you guys are breaking down the process that would live even yeah. more in the media world. Because obviously we could do more. We could do more to educate yeah, absolutely right, public right, right. and work, you know, with players and yeah, have you guys. Understand it'd be a it good sure. piece of content for you guys too to show how you guys grade. You oh, guys have we, a channel, like, yeah. Guys, open invitation. Yeah. We would love to have you guys do stuff with us, and you know, I think it'd be cool. help that kind yeah, of content. Yeah, I think that'd be cool. We're always happy awesome. to help the little guys, you know, try to start the podcast world and all that stuff. No, you guys, you guys, you guys are doing a good job. Right. I wonder how it really is graded. Absolutely. Grading still up in the air. Well, grading is very much up there. But, boys, I know we got to roll, but it's, it has yeah. been a pleasure. Dude, very guys, constructive. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for thank coming you by. Much. Appreciate oh, yeah, it. Yeah, that was awesome.